Uh, good morning, uh, those who are here, and uh, good morning to those who are joining us uh, via the live stream. Karibuni Sana for um, the Adult Sunday School class. We uh, have been going through the uh, topic of eschatology with uh, Pastor Murungi, and uh, he had a mission trip, and I had the task or the heavy duty of standing in for him this Sunday. So I hope I will represent him well as we continue looking at the topic of eschatology. But before I continue, uh, it is important that we ask the Lord for help, right? So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and uh, we thank you for bringing us together this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought us so that we may learn from you, so that we may learn from your word. We ask you that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes and our hearts, our, help us with our desires that tend to be low when it comes to spiritual things. We pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for our laziness spiritually, O oh Lord. And we pray that as we look at this wonderful and important topic of your return, O Lord Jesus, that we would be energized, that we would cast out any form of laziness. Help us to see that you are coming soon and that this should sober us up to live lives that honor and please you, O Lord. So be with us as we study, for we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Um, I'll, I'll need the clicker for, or someone to be here to help me with the PowerPoint as we are going through. Oh, yes, so just help me with the clicker. Thank you. So <clears throat> as I had said in the uh, introduction, we have been going through the topic of eschatology. Now, eschatology, um, many people would, when, I, when we talk about eschatology, it's just a fancy word for last things, okay? It's a Greek word for last things. So we are talking about the last things or the return of Christ, what will happen? Um, what does the Bible teach? Because the Bible does teach us a lot about the return of Christ, and we should therefore not ignore it. We cannot uh, push, it, push it aside. But, thank you. But as we shall see today, eschatology is here to, um, or rather the truths on eschatology have been given to us so that we may live godly lives. Okay? We don't have those truths in the Bible on the last days so that we may pause everything and simply look at the sky. You remember when Christ ascended in Acts chapter 1, the disciples were looking at the skies, isn't it? At the skies and go to Jerusalem and await the promise that is coming. In other words, go on with your lives as God has commanded. Do what you are commanded. Don't sit there looking at the sky. We've heard this, uh, the so-called dooms, doomsday cults. Have you ever heard of them? So doomsday cults are the kind of uh, groups of people, I wouldn't call them church because they are not a church. 
It's a group of people who are a cult, and they, their whole lives is based on crisis returning. Therefore, let's lock ourselves up in a, in a hole somewhere. You've, you've heard of them. There was one that um, was in the U.S., and then they went to Colombia, started uh, a community there that they were saying, you know, they are waiting for Christ. And the leader of this cult, because uh, Christ did not return on the day he had said, ended up poisoning the whole community of his group, that whole cult. We know here in Uganda, was it in 2000? Around 2000, there was a, a cult where um, they were thinking or planning for the day that Christ would come. And when Christ didn't show up, what did they do? They locked all the doors and they poured uh, petrol in the hall and they lit it up. It was a very sad thing. That is the danger of simply looking at the sky, simply focusing on the return of Christ as if it's the only doctrine in the Bible. It is not the only doctrine. It is an important doctrine, okay? But it is not the only doctrine. And actually, as we shall hopefully see, it has been given to us for a purpose, okay? So today we're going to be looking at the signs of the return of Christ, all right? So what does the Bible tell us about the return of Christ? Does the Bible have anything to say about the return of Christ? And we do see that the scriptures present the truth that certain signs will precede the return of Christ. So the Bible does show that, that there are certain signs that will come before the return of Christ. And we can see this in many passages in the Gospels, in Matthew 24, where we are going to uh, settle uh, uh, for a while. But we also see this in Mark 13. We also see the same in Luke 21. We see this also in uh, First Thessalonians. And we're also going to, Lord willing, look at that and see that there are signs that have been given to us to show that Christ is returning. And that will actually show us that his return is very near, very soon. So we just, I need to do this. Eh? Before we continue, I need to give a word of caution. And I need to give a word of caution from the Bible itself. As we look at these signs, it is important I say this, and I hammer this, and I hammer it again, and I hammer it again and again before we go any further. And this is the reality that these signs are not given to us so that we can speculate on the exact time that Christ will return. These signs have not been given to us so that we may say, Christ is coming on this day of this month of this year. That needs to be set as a foundation because many of what I was called, uh, I was calling the, or what I call the doomsday cults go wrong on this. And sadly enough, we've had some believers get this wrong. 
we've had some people who are very wise men, very godly men coming up with ideas that because this is happening, because that's happening, therefore Christ will come in a month's time or in a year's time. Please, do not speculate. Do not speculate because the Bible warns us against that. We are told that no one knows the time or the hour, but who, who knows it? God the Father, isn't it? God the Father knows the year, the month, the date, the hour, the minute, the second. It is his province. It is his privilege, his prerogative. Let's not try and snatch. We can't even do that. But let's not try and think that we can snatch the things that belong to God and give them to ourselves. Because by doing that, what we are ultimately trying to do by speculating on the exact time is we are trying to take the glory of God from him. Do not do that. It is sin. It is wrong. So that needs to be said. And uh, we see that in Matthew 24 and uh, verse 36. Uh, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. All right? So as you look at these signs, don't start calculating in your head. Break that calculator in your head, okay? Don't start calculating and fixing things and trying to speculate, no. But why have these signs been given to us? We need to ask ourselves, okay, if we do not know the exact time, if we do not know the hour, then why have they been given to us? Well, two reasons why, <clears throat> two reasons as to why these signs have been given to us. And then we will delve into them. So the first reason is that those signs are given to us so that uh, we may, uh, to guard us from being deceived by false prophets. So a lot of false prophets are around and they will fool many. We see that in Matthew 24 verse 4, Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. Many people will be led astray by these false teachers who tell you that they know when Christ, or rather, um, who, who will try and confuse you. So they are there, those signs are there to help us that we may not be deceived. But secondly, they are there also to guard us from being careless in this world. We know that Christ said that some of the seeds that fell, uh, that the sower was casting out, some of them fell on a, a ground where there were thorns and thistles, isn't it? And we are told that they grew and they took root and as they grew, what happened? The thorns and thistles choked them, and they did not become fruitful. 
Why didn't they become fruitful? Because of their cares, because of the pleasures of this current world. So these signs have been given to us to snap us or to slap us. To remember that, hey, hey, this is not home. You are not at home. You are simply a pilgrim. If you get comfortable, look at these signs again. They ought to slap you back into reality. This is not your home. Don't get too comfortable. You are here to work. You are here for a purpose, but this world is not our home. And you see that again in uh, Matthew 24, verse 44, uh, 42 rather to 44. This is what Christ says. Therefore, uh, verse 42, sorry. Therefore, stay awake. This is again is in the context of the signs. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what um, in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, also, uh, therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So don't live at ease. Live a holy life. Live a godly life. Be submitted to God. Love the brethren. Do all you can. Because our master is soon coming back. Okay? So, I needed to lay out those uh, fundamental truths. That first of all, let's not think that those signs have been given to us so that we may speculate. That kind of speculation is sin. It is trying to snatch the glory of God and take it for ourselves. And then secondly, why have these signs been given then? For two purposes. To guard us from false teachers and deception, and also to guard us from carelessness, from being at ease in this uh, life. All right? Uh, so if there are any questions, uh, maybe for those who are watching online, you can put them on the chat. Uh, for those who are here, if you really are itching, you can just lift up your hand and uh, I'll, 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 I'll try and uh, hear your concerns. Okay, because we are learning. We want it to be open. If you have a question um, or a comment, but I will also give you some time, hopefully, uh, towards the end for more of that. So now let's delve into the signs uh, of Christ's returns. So I've, I've, I, I saw someone who did a very good job in categorizing the, the signs into three categories, which I thought were very helpful. And I would like us to use that same, that same uh, formula. So there are three categories, if uh, we can put it this way, that the signs of the return of Christ can be roughly summarized in this way, that the first group of signs are signs that reveal the grace of God. We never, we, we don't think of signs as, the, the signs of the return of Christ as being gracious, isn't it? We just think of horror stories, 
And we will see that. In terms of, we just think of judgment, horror, terrors, there are there. But there are also signs that show God's grace. So it's not all uh, dark and gloomy. It is also bright. It is also filled with the bright light of God's wonderful grace. And there are two things that we see happening. If you turn to your Bibles in Matthew, let's just keep your Bible in Matthew 24 because we'll be going through this passage a lot. We see that the first sign that shows us God's grace is the proclamation of the gospel to all nations. Matthew 24 and verse 14. This is what the Bible tells us, or what, what Christ says. And this gospel of the king, kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And listen to this. And then the end will come. This is actually one of the signs that shows us that Christ's return is, is soon. As the gospel is going out to all nations, and the nations there don't think simply as boundaries, okay? The Greek word there is, think, whenever you see the word nations, um, in the Bible, don't just think of Kenya with its boundaries, uh, Uganda with its boundaries. It's, it's more than that. It's talking about people groups. And there are many people groups in this world who have not yet been reached with the gospel. Right? There are people in the Amazon forest who haven't heard the gospel of Christ. There are people groups in the Middle East who've never heard the gospel of Christ. There are people groups here in Africa who've never heard the gospel, who've not been reached with the gospel of Christ. But the Bible tells us in a wonderful, in a very gracious way, Christ says this, that before the end comes, this gospel will be proclaimed in all the world. So one of the key signs of the return of Christ is the triumph of the gospel. The message of Christ's saving power will be proclaimed to all ethnic groups and peoples and nations. And we are told why this has to happen. It won't just happen, but... Christ gives the reason as to why this has to happen. It shall be proclaimed to them as a witness. So the gospel has to be proclaimed to all peoples as a witness to them. So that they may be saved and so that those who persist in unbelief may be damned. So this gospel, the 
has to be proclaimed to all the nations, to all people groups, in every corner of this world, in every island, in people groups that are in forests, in deserts, in hill countries, in mountainous areas, in lowlands, this gospel has to go out. And this does um, tie in with what we have been looking at, um, or rather what we will be looking at this year, the theme of evangelism. We are playing a role in ensuring that this happens, or God is using us as means to ensure that the gospel is preached. Or I hope that God is using you in one way or another to see to it that this gospel, the kingdom of Christ, is preached as a witness to all the nations. So that's one of the signs that reveals God's grace. But yet another sign that reveals God's grace is the salvation of the full number of the elect. If you look at Romans 11, just keep your finger in Matthew 24. If you look at Romans 11 and verse 25 and 26, this is what the Bible says. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. So there is another gracious promise that the gospel will not only go forth, but all of God's elect, because God has elected people in every nation, in every tribe, in every ethnic group, in every race. That's what we see in the book of Revelation, isn't it? Right? That picture of people from every tribe, nation, tongue. Just a wonderful picture of the triumph of the gospel. So this is one of those signs that will show that Christ is coming, that the elect, the full number of the elect has come in. And this should humble us because we cannot, can we speculate how many people God has elected to salvation? Do we know? You see why it's so dangerous to speculate on when Christ will return? Because there are people who have not yet been born who are God's elect. There are people who are right now in their mother's womb who are God's elect. Who will hear the gospel and who will be graciously saved. Do we know when and where they will hear the gospel? We don't know. But what we see from this passage is that there will come a time that, quote-unquote, the last elect will repent and believe. 
I mean, it's, it sounds like a glorious thing, isn't it? But there will come a time when God's elect, the full number of God's people will come in. And as Paul says, and then all Israel will be saved. Now, I know that this passage is a bit controversial because there are people who would say that it appears that there is salvation of the Gentiles, and once that's done, then we go to the salvation of the Jews. Maybe we can argue about that another time. But whatever it means, we see that we all agree that there will come a time when both Jews and Gentiles, those who are God's elect among the Gentiles and the Jews, will come into the fold of God, isn't it? That's a wonderful, gracious sign. So it's, it's, it's good that we start by looking at that. Um, the signs given in the Bible are also bright and beautiful. It's not all a darkness and the gloom and horrors and terrors. Yes, there will be that and we are looking at them. But the first thing that we need to see is gracious, wonderful signs that the gospel will triumph, it will be proclaimed in all nations, and then there will come a time that all of God's people, both the Jews and Gentiles, will come in. And this is actually what Paul says, or rather, this is what Peter says, that God is patient because he wants the elect to come in. That's why the end times have not yet come because, I mean, if for the, for the sake of uh, arguing from foolishness, if Christ, because it does appear that in the days of Peter, there were those people who were saying, you know, Christ has taken long, Christ has taken long before he came. If Christ came during the days of Peter, where, you, where would you and I be? We would be lost, isn't it? We wouldn't have experienced this wonderful saving grace of God. That's why God is patient. That's why that day has not yet come, so that the full number of God's elect may come in. All right? So, so, so that's the first of the categories, that these are the signs that reveal the grace of God, the triumph of the gospel, and the salvation of the elect. But then we also have another group of, or, or another category of signs. <clears throat> the Bible does show us that there are signs in the Bible that reveal uh, opposition to God. Well, you might say, well, but we all know that there is opposition to God, even right now. Very true. But we do see that there is, or rather there will come a time when opposition to God, resistance to God, will shoot up, will be intensified, or it will become so intense, it will become so palpable, that sinful man will be ripe for 
the final judgment of God. Yes, there is opposition right now. We do see opposition in various nations, various ethnic groups. I mean, when you look at the news and you hear how, for example, um, and the church is being attacked and the gospel is being mocked, it's painful. It does, that does deserve God's wrath, but it will be intensified as the return of Christ nears. And so there are those three um, under that um, category of signs that show the opposition towards God. And the first thing is that we see that there will be what is known as the tribulation or the great tribulation. In Matthew 24 and verse 9, We are told, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So we see that there will be a time when there is an unprecedented hate, an unprecedented persecution of the church. You know, right now we can meet here. We can meet here and we don't have to hide. We don't have to text one another uh, like they do in China. I hear in China, what happens is the pastor has to text his congregation where they are meeting, maybe on Sunday morning or on Saturday evening, so that the police don't read or don't, don't get to know where they are meeting as a church. There are places where, again, the church is being persecuted. In places like Saudi Arabia, where if you convert to Christianity, it's, it's treasonable. It's a serious crime over there. But it, what we are being told is that there will come a time of great tribulation where we, even meeting like this, we will all be looking at our backs. Where we seated like this will be listening to the car coming in and wondering, are they here for us? And maybe some of us will even be scampering, eh? as you hear the gate being open. There will come such a time that it will be hate. Christ uses that word. They will hate you. Not dislike you, not ignore you, not try and stop you. They will hate you. And they will even put you to death. So although the righteous have been hated and killed since the days of Abel, you remember Abel who was killed by Cain? That was the beginning of the persecution of the righteous. But we are told that we, we shall witness a time of unprecedented, of great hate for the church because of the name of Christ. All who name the name of Christ will be hated, will be despised, will even be put to death. And this will follow. Uh, a time where a great number of saints will be martyred because of 
Christ. So in, in Revelation, we see that they, there are those believers who have been martyred because of their faith. And they keep asking God, how long, O Lord? How long? How long, O Lord, before judgment comes? So it's, it's picturing, or what we see is that there is this huge worldwide um, hate for the church. People will despise the name of Christ, all who bear the name of Christ. They will use powers in government, they will use powers in our cultures to bring many to jail and even put many to death. Many, that's the key word, many will be put to death for the, uh, for the sake of the name of Christ. Again, that has not happened yet. I cannot say that it has not begun. Probably it has begun. Who knows? Maybe it is being planned. But this sign has to come before the return of Christ. But then we also see that there is another one, which is sorry, the great apostasy, that there will be a great falling away before the return of Christ. This will be another big sign. And we see that in um, 24 and verse 10. And then many will fall away, right? But if you also turn, turn to your Bibles in the book of, to the letter, uh, second letter of the Thessalonians, chapter 2 and verse 3. So we see that there will be a great, or I hope we see this, that there will be what is called the apostasy. Where many people will turn away from Christ. Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 3. So we are told, um, let me just start from verse 1, okay. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, our, be, uh, our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the, that the day of the Lord has come. So. There were false teachers who had gone to the church in Thessalonica and they were telling them, Christ has already returned. Christ came in, secretly took some people, you guys have been left. There are cults who say that, right? And they are here today. You know some of them? Who, who has an idea of a cult that today says that, that Christ came at a certain time? Anyone? 
they knock at our doors almost every week. The Jehovah's Witnesses. They would say that Christ came in, is it 19, 18? Sorry? 1944. Okay. The good thing is that we have internet. Eh? We can always check that. 1944. All right? So they say that Christ came, took some people, and that's it. Paul is saying, do not be alarmed by such groups of people. Don't be fooled by such cultic teachings. And I emphasize that word, cultic teachings. They are not part of the Christian church. Do not be alarmed by them. Because some people in this church had already begun, begun to be alarmed and shaken. <clears throat> but then he will give two signs. And this is what he says, verse 3, the first part of verse 3, 2, 3a. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. So before that day comes, Paul says that there has to be what is known as the rebellion. The rebellion has to come first. Or what I would have given it this name, the great apostasy. Paul here shows that the first sign or the first marker that will point to the return of Christ is the great falling away as other theologians call it. And the Greek phrasing here in this verse is a military term. Rebellion. It signifies revolt. You know how when there is a coup, there is a, a visible and widespread revolt? That's what is being called here. Paul is using a military term that it will be visible, it will be huge, it will be noticeable. Now, again, are we saying that people do not rebel against Christ? People do, isn't it? People <clears throat> apostatize today, sadly. They turn away from the Lord who has saved them. But they will come again a time of a huge, visible, significant rebellion. It has to come first. It will be a public defection, widespread defection, that Peter says in 2 Peter 2 and verse 1, these people will deny the Lord that Brought, uh, that bought them, denying the Lord who had bought them. So that's one of the signs that will precede or will come before the return of Christ. And again, this is here to warn us. Don't look at it in terms of, oh, wow, interesting information. This should guard us. This should help us 
to be aware that there is a great deception coming. If you think there is deception right now, something will come. Now, many commentators are speculating why this happens. I will not go into that, okay? We'll just stick to what the Bible says, and we trust that it is enough, because it is enough. But there is coming a great deception. Paul says that, that, for example, look at 2 Thessalonians, the same chapter, chapter 2, verse 11. What does it say? Look at this. Therefore, God will send them a strong, what's the word used there? A strong what? Delusion. God will send a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. If your heart, if you are harboring any pleasure in unrighteousness, if you're just allowing unrighteousness, sin to play around in your heart, strong delusion will come. And interestingly enough, we are told that it will come from God himself, not even from the Antichrist. And this will cause many to fall away. A huge chunk of the believing people worldwide will turn away because of a delusion. We don't know what it is. Let's not speculate. It is there to warn us. Guard your heart. Are you allowing? Are you playing around with unrighteousness? Something is coming. In, in, again, Matthew 24, verse 10 to 13, we see that Christ says, then shall many stumble. And then we are told, many false prophets shall arise and shall lead many astray. And because, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall grow Cold. So look at the emphasis of the word many, 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 many in the words of Christ in Matthew 24. It will not just be a local thing, it will be a huge thing. Again, this is there to help us so that we may guard our hearts. All right? So, <clears throat> and then under this, the third sign is the revealing of the man of lawlessness. That's the term that is used in the Bible. Again, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. So, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. So, as the rebellion is happening, and the man of lawlessness, wow, is revealed the son of destruction. So, are these two happening at the same time? Could be. Could it be that there will be a great falling away, a great apostasy by many? I pray that's not 
us. May the Lord preserve us. May he keep us. May we pray for one another. But then, does it happen first and then the man of lawlessness is revealed? Either way, um, this too will happen. Possibly around the same time. Could be together or the rebellion comes first and then the man of lawlessness. So the Bible does show us that there is this individual, this person who is known as the man of lawlessness, who will appear. And Paul tells the church in Thessalonica that this has not yet happened. What are we told about him? Verse 4, this man, or what you are told is that, who opposes, and exhausts, <clears throat> who opposes and exhausts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So we are told that there will appear a man by the name of the man of lawlessness. That's the word that Paul uses, while John, um, the Apostle John uses the word Antichrist. So he will exalt himself, he will make himself to be God, and many will worship him. That's the main gist of this passage, that many will worship him, many will follow him. Again, how will this happen? Because of the great delusion in verse 11. Will he be able to perform signs and wonders, probably? Will he be able to do things that will make people to worship him? Probably. But he will set himself up. And, and look at his name. His name is very interesting. He's called the man of lawlessness or the man of sin. That's his main attribute. He is opposed to the law of God. He is opposed to the revealed will of God in terms of the scriptures. He is opposed to all that God has set. So that he may lead many into sin. And what's that great sin? That people will worship him, a creature, rather than God the creator. That has to come. And the revealing of the Antichrist. We are told this, that when he, he is revealed, what will happen? Verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all powers and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So 
actually that does prove that there will be signs and signs and wonders, right? So again, a warning, eh? Don't be caught up with this idea of signs and wonders. We are told here that by the activity of Satan, that signs and wonders will be performed. And people you know, come to my meeting, come to my conference, come to my crusade, and there will be signs and wonders. So we see those banners all over Nairobi. Don't be so quick to interpret signs and wonders with God. Be careful. Signs and wonders here are also connected with the evil one, especially in the end times before the return of Christ. So the man of lawlessness will appear. Again, please don't try and speculate which country he will come from. We don't know. No one should try and interpret those things. The Bible just tells us that there will be a man of lawlessness. Be on guard. Be careful. So that you're not caught up with him. In his wickedness. Don't speculate. And especially with this time, is it, is it Putin because he has brought war with Ukraine? Please don't go into that. Eh? Is he this person, that person? Just be aware, be careful that he is coming. But when he is revealed, the Lord Jesus Christ will appear to destroy him. Together with all of those who follow him together with all of those who believe in his false teachings. So those are the two uh, categories, the signs that reveal the grace of God, the signs that reveal opposition to God, because the great tribulation, the apostasy, and the man of lawlessness is all opposition to God. This man is appearing. That's why he's called the Antichrist. He is against Christ right, undermining the things of Christ. But then thirdly, the last segment I would like us to look at, the last category, and then I will open up for questions, comments, and Lord willing, we close, are the signs that reveal the judgment of God. So if you turn to Matthew 24, <clears throat> Matthew 24 and verse 7, we see that there are two other signs. And these signs reveal the judgment of God. And the first one is that there will be wars and rumors of wars. Verse 6, part A. Six and uh, I think I'll also read seven, but A. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For the for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So we are told that 
there will be wars. There will be conflict. There will be destruction. Destruction of lives. People will lose their lives. People will lose their limbs. People will lose property. There will be carnage on the earth as judgment. This is now God starting to pour out his wrath upon the earth. We see in Revelation 6 and verse 4, we are told, and out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. So in Revelation 6 and verse 4, we see that, there, that these wars are part of God's judgment. These wars, these conflicts, are part of God's judgment upon sinful humanity. They are a part of God's plan and purpose to punish men. We have a picture of a horse rider taking away peace so that people would slay one another. It's carnage. The word slay there just speaks of people being bloodthirsty. Possibly what was happening in in. in to the extent of what was happening in Genesis 6, where people are just killing one another. There's war, there's destruction. And by the way, dear brethren, this should remind us that this earth is not our home. That you could buy something, you could build something, you could, and then it's bombed blown up the next day. We could do so much for our bodies and the next day we are in danger of sword, right? We never think of it that way. But that is coming. You know, looking at those pictures from places that are war-torn, and you look at abandoned buildings. I don't know whether you have, uh, you, 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 looking at the pictures of what's happening in Ukraine, you see the abandoned buildings. I mean, a whole city looks like a ghost town. No one there, just black buildings, burnt up by artillery and mortar fire, burnt down. This is a picture being portrayed that one of the signs is that there will be a heightened and increased wars. We do have wars right now, but they will be increased. They will go up. You will hear them. But when you see that, it's simply the beginning. That's simply the beginning. It doesn't even show that Christ has come yet, although it is a sign, but it's not the... Um, it's not a sign like the preaching of the gospel to the whole world where we are told, and this gospel will be proclaimed and then the end will come. We are told this is simply the beginning. In other words, it will be a long war, a long time of suffering, a long time of pain. 
But then secondly, another aspect of God's judgment is that there will be earthquakes and famines, right? 7 and part B. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Not just in the known places. Places that have never experienced famines will experience them. Earthquakes in places that you never thought about having earthquakes. And these are not simply tremors. These are earthquakes. The Bible tells us that creation groans for the revealing of the sons of God. And as creation groans for the revealing of the sons of God and to spew out the sons of sin, if we can put it that way, we see that great disasters will come. Disasters that are above the normal. They will be intensified as God pours out his bowls of wrath on rebellious humanity. Revelation 6 and verse 8, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And, there, and they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, to kill with the sword, with famine, and with pestilence, and by wild beasts of the earth. So there is coming a huge pouring out of God's wrath. But as I conclude, even as we see that God is pouring out his wrath, remember where we began, that God is pouring out his grace. The elect are gathered in, as the gospel form. Pouring out his wrath and pouring out his grace. To the unbeliever, this is a call for you to repent, to believe. To partake of that grace and to escape that coming wrath. Okay? And uh, I think we have a few minutes. Let me just open it up for any questions, any comments um, on that. Then I will bring it to an end. Any questions, any comments? Any questions online? Good. Either the topic was shocking or um, you need some time to absorb it, eh? All right. Um, anyone? Or question? All right, there's a question. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, if if most of these things are yet to happen, does that mean that Jesus uh, is not coming tomorrow? Is the, is the second coming far away? That's a good question. So we are not seeing this. So is the return of Christ far away? Yes and no. Yes, in terms of the man of lawlessness, uh, hasn't been revealed. Um, we don't have 
the gospel yet being proclaimed in all nations. There are people who, like I said, who haven't heard the gospel, and I know many people are working towards that. Uh, but knowing that um, we don't know God's time. It could be all these things happen within uh, a month's time, right? And the gospel goes out within a month's time, and, and the man is of lawlessness is revealed within a month's time. So, yes and no. I hope that was. <laughs> I know yes and no sometimes are like you just escaped the, the question, but yeah, that's, that's the much I can say. What, what I would say is let's live godly lives. We don't know when the master is coming, is it? And because we do not know when he's coming, let's. Uh, be godly, let's be, let's be those who pursue righteousness. Let's live lives that honor and please him so that he may find us to be uh, on the right. Okay? Thank you. Thank you for that. Any other question, comment? There is a question here. Good morning. Uh, I have a question. When when you talk about us being wondered about signs and wonders, mm -hmm. how do you explain to even Christians, maybe others from the other side, that um, especially when you look at the scripture, they will tell you in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, Jesus comes, and even the apostle Paul, they do signs and wonders. How will you caution them that um, uh, be far away? from signs and wonders, especially when they tell you and they quote to you, it has mm. happened in the Bible. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, thank you. That's, that's an important question. I think last time I preached from First John, we looked at Deuteronomy 6, 13, sorry, 13, where we are told that if a prophet arises who prophesies, dream dreams, um, and those things come true, but yet they tell you, let's, look, let's go for another God that uh, do not believe that person. The Old Testament does warn us against that, that don't be swayed by simply the things that you see. Um, the signs and wonders of Christ in the Bible are sufficient. The signs and wonders of the apostles in the, gospel, uh, in the uh, Acts, written down ought to be sufficient. Maybe that's one of the things you need to tell them, uh, that they are there. They are recorded for us. They are recorded for us so that we may believe the gospel. Um, do we need any more signs and wonders apart from the, th the ones that Christ and his apostles have done? Those are sufficient. They've been written down for us. So it's, it's a warning. It, it, it should be, we should tell them, be careful. Be very careful. The Antichrist will perform signs and wonders by the power of Satan. That should at least raise, make us raise a, a red flag and be very careful with those things. Now, is God able to do signs and wonders today? He is. I'm not denying it. But the kind of signs and wonders that we see Christ and his apostles doing, those are recorded for us in the scriptures and they are sufficient. 
helpful? Okay. If then we, we can talk more about that. Yes. Uh, how many questions? Okay, sir. Uh, thanks for the study. Um, about the signs of the return of Christ, you dwelt mostly in Matthew 24. And I just wanted to ask a question. A bit louder. Sorry, I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. Um, I wanted to ask a question mm -hmm. on Matthew 24, since that's uh, the chapter that you have uh, referred to. Um, in From verse 32, mm -hmm. uh, going down, he says, um, he gives the lesson of the fig tree and says that uh, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So I just wanted to know what what this is in reference to. Is it in reference to the signs that he talks about or, yeah, I just need more clarification on that because it seems uh, a definitive thing that Christ is saying that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass. Okay, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, Many commentators would look at it in terms of Christ here now talking about the destruction of the temple because um, in the beginning of chapter 24, uh, the, the disciples uh, are looking at the temple and they are wowed by how the temple is and they are excited about the beauty of the temple and um, there is a way in which Christ is also talking about the destruction of the temple, even as he talks about the end time. You will find in, um, in, in some passages where those two are, Christ talks about them together. So this generation is the generation uh, that heard his words, that will see and hear about the destruction of the temple. That's the way I would interpret it. I know there are other interpretations. Um, again, it's something we can talk about. Right? Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for the questions, for, the, um, for being here early to listen. So Pastor Murungi, Lord willing, will continue next Sunday as we uh, are again reminded that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is coming and coming soon. What's our role? What's our part? Be godly. Don't speculate. Be godly. Seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Because remember, we've seen that the man of lawlessness is coming to deceive those who desire the pleasures of unrighteousness. That's the key word. Those who desire the pleasures of unrighteousness. They are the ones who will be deceived. I pray that that's none of us here, that we would be those who seek righteousness, would not play around with sin. We would seek him and him alone. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come before you and uh, we have seen in your word that you are returning soon. We thank you that you have given us these signs, signs that reveal to us your grace, signs that reveal to us the opposition and the rebellion that will come, signs that show your judgment upon sinful humanity. 
O Lord, we pray that you would help us to be those who work hard for the proclamation of the gospel to all nations. That we would give and give generously so that the gospel would go out more and more. That for us who preach, that we would preach and preach faithfully so that your elect from every nation would be gathered in. We look forward to that day, O oh Lord. May it even happen in our time, O oh Lord. O oh Lord, come and come quickly. It's, it is our cry. But we pray, O oh Lord, that you would guard us from the rebellion, from the deception that is already at work even today. Help us, O oh Lord, that we would not love the pleasures of unrighteousness. Help us, O oh Lord, that we would not be caught up with the wicked in this world in opposing you. We ask you, O oh Lord, that you would have mercy on us and preserve us. So be with us, O oh Lord, even as we transition in a few minutes' time to the morning service. Bless our time together, for we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.